Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the In and Around podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week, like every week, is Dave Harris. Hello. And Mike Breslin. Hello. So what is the In and Around podcast all about? Well, usually... Every week, the three mates get together to discuss and debate the world of football. Um, as everyone's aware, there's currently an outbreak of coronavirus, um, and no football is going on. So what we thought we'd do in these weeks, while it's all off, we would discuss and debate some great teams, some great players, some great matches from years gone by. This week, we'll be talking about each of our favourite teams. That we didn't support. So what that's going to mean is we're going to be talking about Pep's Barcelona, Ancelotti's Milan and Wenger's overrated Invincibles. Um, during this time that we've got a bit of a break from football, we are absolutely desperate for more topics. So if you have any questions, please email us at inandaroundpod at gmail.com or just tweet us on Twitter at inandaroundpod and Mike Breslin will get back to you. Uh, in the meantime, lads, how are we? How have we been since um, since we last recorded our emergency pod? Uh, good, yeah. All good? Yeah, things are going well. Yeah. S- we're still here, so that's <laughs> good news. <laughs> yeah, actually, we should probably say that. Uh, this pod is recorded straight away after our coronavirus special. I'd um, like to point out, we did wash our hands. We did wash our hands. We did watch a few videos of Andy Townsend on YouTube saying Jabalani. Um, but now we're back, ready to do another pod, just in case one of us has to go into self-isolation. Um, I guess... We should start the podcast by really saying that in he, we're all big fans of football. And what that means is often we see teams that we love despite them not being our team. So I'm a Chelsea fan, Mike's a Man United fan, Dave's a Blues fan. We all have our favourite own incarnations of our teams and we all have our favourite players. But sometimes it's nice to get out of our bubble and to think and talk about other teams. Um, I think what we'll do here is we will start with um, you, Mike. You can tell us about your team. Yeah. Um, we're probably just on this pod going to explain to you probably a bit the stats, why they were special, why they were a special team and why they were a special team to us and talk about our favourite moments and probably less debates, just more celebrating what football's all about. Absolutely. Mr. <clears throat> Brez, um, who's yeah. your favourite team that isn't your team? Yep, yeah, so I'm not a Barcelona fan. God, I hate Barcelona. However, um, I thoroughly enjoyed watching Pep Guardiola's Barcelona team from 2008 to 2012. A lot of the stats that I'll give you are from the 08-09 season, mainly because I felt like that was the peak of that those four years, even though they were a phenomenal side for all four seasons. Um, so, a bit of background. Obviously, Pep was a Barcelona player um, and then joined Barca B as their manager in 2007. And just a year later, um, following Rijkaard, should we say leaving Barcelona? We'll say that, yeah. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, Pep was given the job which uh, of, the, of the full team. So, on arrival... <laughs> He uh, decided some big names would not form any part of his plans, um, including Ronaldinho, uh, Deco, who went to Chelsea, and Samuletto. He was a bit wrong about Samuletto. Yeah, he was, um, just a bit. Particularly for the first season, but uh, we'll get to that. Uh, He bought Dani Alves from Sevilla. 
Go on. Just before you move on, because I think what's sort of been lost in the era of Messi and Ronaldo being the undisputed best players is that is an absolutely mental thing for a coach to come in and do. Because Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho, Ronaldinho was not only the best player at the club, he was the best player in the world. So the absolute brass balls on Pep to do that (laughs) was just... well, yeah, he walked in there after yeah. a year of managing Barca B and went, no, nah, don't, Ronaldinho. Yeah, yeah. off no, to thanks. Milan. Yeah, see ya. Um, Sorry, you were talking about Danny Alves. Yeah, so Danny Alves came in from Sevilla, £29 million, pounds, uh, which is a pretty decent fee at the time. Uh, we're talking about 2008, obviously. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money, particularly for a right-back. However, I would suggest that he uh, paid that back and a bit more oh, yeah. over, <laughs> over his spell. Um, he also got... PK back from Man United for five million. Five million. Which, when I was doing a bit of research for this, I could not believe that, <laughs> that, we, is... that we sold him back. I think there was some sort of buyback in the deal we Fairly had. Fairly certain. So quite often is when you buy young players in Barcelona. Like I remember us buying Oriol Romeo mm-hmm. of Southampton fame, and he had a like a ridiculously small buyback clause that meant if we ever played him and he became good, they'd just have him. Yeah. So. So I think that's what happened with PK, but five million, what a steal. He's been a stalwart for them ever since, pretty much. Um, also brought through Busquets and Pedro from the uh, from La Masia. Um, obviously, he would have known them pretty well from his time at Barca B, so brought them through. Um, so first season, senior management. Not a bad record. No, not a bad record at all. Um, he won the sex tuplet, as a, apparently... All, all sex tuple, I think. Sex tuple. Sex tuple. Something like that. Thomas Tuchel. Yes. Oh. He, he won, well, he won six out of <laughs> six out of six trophies, including the league, Copa del Rey, uh, and of course the Champions League. In his first season. Right. I'm going to jump in here. Right. I hate Pep. I hate Pep's <clears throat> Barca because of this one game in this season. Yeah. And we were sat here before the game, and I, I before and I said, "Oh, what do we need to watch so everybody's." It's fresh in everybody's mind. And Mike Breslin, because he's a callous, horrible individual, made me watch the Iniesta goal back. And for about two minutes, I just sat there, just in silence. Because, do you know what? You think you get over these games, but you show me even a glimpse. I can't even watch Essien's wonderful goal from that game, because it fills me with just like a hot, burning rage, just thinking about that game. That's because he was at fault for the uh, Iniesta goal. I actually... Well, I'll tell you who was at fault. The referees were at fault. I actually refer to this season as Pep's quintuple because um, the UEFA won that Champions League that year, not Pep. Anyway, keep going. (laughs) Well, Barcelona lifted the trophy, so so that was nice. Um, But yes, as Will kindly brought up for us, uh, they knocked Chelsea out in the semi-finals with a 1-1 draw at Stamford Bridge. Iniesta scoring in extra, well, in added time. Uh, you have to repeat it I'm going to keep I'm going to keep saying it we'll come back to it later maybe Um, yeah they're winning the treble this season regarded as the best season in the club's history Um, Pep was also the youngest coach to win the Champions League that season Um, so to run you through the sort of names you could expect to see Victor Valdez in goal uh, Eric Abadal Gerard Piquet Carlos Puyol Danny Alves um, rounding out the defenders midfield three of Yaya Torre who was more of the holding one um, Javi in the middle and Iniesta uh, probably the more forward thinking of the three uh, with, a, with a front three which I just love of Henri 
off the left, Messi off the right, and Eto through the middle. What a scandal that Yaya Torre is playing holding midfielder. Imagine. Arguably one of the best box-to-box midfielders the Premier League has ever seen. And he played centre-defensive mid in his team and then played centre-back in the Champions League final. Yeah. Crazy. Unbelievable. That, that, yeah, that he was playing out of position. That's how good this, this team, team was. Is. Um, so um, <coughs> go on. So when you look at these names, um, what is it about the team that really grabs you? Was it a, the way they played? Was it? Yeah, I think obviously it was the kind of the birth of Tikka Taka. Yeah. Well, the rebirth, shall we say? Not necessarily yeah. the birth, but the rebirth. Um, I, I would suggest they had most of the ball against pretty much everyone they played for the entire four years mm-hmm. Pep was there and ever since near enough yeah they have <laughs> um, it's just they were just fantastic they uh, pressed from the front got the ball back as quickly as they could kept it really well uh, obviously when you've got someone like Messi even though he's young at this point Henri who is probably the best player the Premier League's ever seen mm-hmm. was there Eto scoring a load of goals as well um, in this season, Eto scored thirty six, Messi scored thirty eight, and Henri scored twenty six. Which is, I mean, that is some front three. Oddly enough, this this isn't even the best front three that yeah. stats wise that mm-hmm. Messi was ever a part of. Was it? Yeah. Imagine. Mental. It gets better from here. <laughs> um, next top scorers. The next typical of top scorers is interesting because a few weeks ago I said to Dave he couldn't talk about Bojan, but I guess you can talk about Bojan now. Yeah, show some love. Bojan and well, Javi, next top scorers on ten. So you can see how reliant they were on the front three. But man, did would, they deliver. I would like to point out Bojan was 17 in this season. And yes. was actually he broke Messi's previous record of being the youngest player to play for Barcelona in the league. Obviously, that's since been broken. Um, but at the time, a player to come into the team at 17 and to actually score 10 goals in the league. How did he end up a and failure Somehow at he's now at the MLS uh, and he's still only 31. But going back to this, going back to this team, um, you're talking about this. Uh, what I find so interesting about this team and Pep's time at Barcelona is there are, although they played the same, they are two very different teams in my mind. There's this team, which is my personal favourite. I think it's because it's got Henri and it was one of my favourite players. But then there was a totally different team of just completely born out of La Masia with um, Puyol and. PK, but mm-hmm. then you had you had a young Pedro on the wings, and then yeah. you had um, David Villa, where well, it's not not the Masia, but you know what I mean. It was very different style. Well, it was the same style, but they were they almost felt like two different teams to me. But all playing the same great football, you would say. Yeah, yeah. By the end of Pep's day, there was a lot of similar names, but quite a lot of um, yeah, like you say, different names who'd come through um, as well. So yeah, you're looking at. Obviously, Puyol and Pique are still there. Alves is still there. Valdez. Um, but now, people like Busquets are regulars. Um, Pedro, another regular. Sergio Roberto. Sergio Roberto is getting some games by the end. Um, Cater, <coughs> interestingly, Dave brought it up. He, he went under the radar pretty much for the whole time, but he was a key part of this squad. Um Mm-hmm. Mascherano was in there now Thiago was getting a game mm. Delefeu was coming through near the end yeah yeah which is um, funny interestingly enough though in the whole if you're taking it as a whole time of Pep's Barca um, 
if we're talking crowning achievements and moments and wins, um, which ones stand out to you? Which ones did you most love about the team? Well, yeah, I mean, the treble, um, winning the treble, the two Champions League final wins, which which both came against it's Man U. Man U. And uh, I was in uh, on holiday in Wales for the second one. I, I know exactly where I was. I know what pub I was in, watching the game. Uh, at Wembley and they were just so much better than us they were brilliant just so much better well, Ferg, well, oh, I can't remember what, you might know it what Fergie said about about them after the game yeah, he, been, he, he, yeah, he, he said they're the best team we've ever faced in my time as a manager so that was pretty near the end of his stint um, no one's given us a hiding like that it's a great moment for them they deserve it because they play the right way and enjoy their football that is one thing I've always loved about watching Messi in particular, but that whole Barca team, I love their style of play, but also they pretty much always, it helps when you're winning, mm. are smiling, particularly Messi, just looks like he's just gone out for a kickabout with his mates. Yeah. And that, I love that. Um, over the four seasons, they went 14 out of 19 competitions that they entered, which is totally wild. Mm-hmm. Um um, and going back to obviously in that time Messi had his 2012 calendar year where he scored 91 goals beat Gerd Muller's record beating mm. Gerd Muller's record and it wasn't even close in the end no, no. not even close um, I think Muller was 85 so he's six more he also that season scored five in a Champions League game which is the first time that had ever happened with Leverkusen yeah there's just so many ridiculous stats uh, the, the first season 08-09 Nice little piece of trivia. They played as, as a friendly in Scotland away <laughs> to Hibs and Dundee United, which I thought was pretty hilarious. Both got a bit of a pumping, but uh, but that's pretty cool. But um, I think what's really interesting about this team, and particularly your love of this team, is that whenever I ask you anything about football, it's always Pep's Barca, Pep's Barca, Pep's Barca. And they beat you twice in the Champions League final, and that is the ultimate love of a team. Um, is that I they still... absolutely gave you a hiding, um, and you still love them, yeah. uh, Dave? What do you think of Pep's bar? So how did you feel about them? The day team you loved? Yeah, yeah. I mean, Messi. Really, back then was just. I mean, he still is, but just really a sensation. The team was always so fun to watch. They all, as you say, always looked like they were having fun when they were playing in in those teams. The football was exhilarating at times, just everything you'd hope to be seeing from a football team, really. Pure entertainment um, and just a, a world-class team, I'd, I'd go as far as saying. Just when you think That's of nice. a good... Don't <laughs> <laughs> you think a team that won the sex double is a uh, world-class team? Well, when, when you think of teams, just in general, of good teams, I think for most people, a Guardiola Barca team comes to mind. So mm. many people call them the best ever. Um, I, uh, I like the earlier vintage more than I like the later vintage, um, and I it probably come when we talk about my team will become evident why. Um, but Messi got to a point, and it's the same way I've always felt about him and Ronaldo. Is they got to a point where they were too good that they were machines, and that it started to you appreciate what they were doing. But to me, I was getting more and more like. It doesn't. It's, Expecting it. The shine's wearing off. It doesn't feel spe- as special anymore. Yeah, I um, think when they were doing this, yeah, it was still. Well, 
I got to a point with Barcelona where I used to turn on because back when Sky Sports had Spanish football, you'd turn it on and they would they would barely get out of walking place and they'd beat them four nil. My favourite Pep's Barca game um, is in the Champions League. They were going into an they were going into the home leg against AC Milan. I think two down, and they needed goals and they came out in the first half. And they played the way they they played football beautifully, but they played it with an urgency, and I loved it. I was like, why can't you be like? Obviously, it's not you can't expect that from every week, but they were just so up it and at it, and they were they were playing with a with a pace that I felt sometimes used to bore me a little bit when it was lacking from their game because you watch them play Betis and it was business as usual, and you were like, okay, this is less exciting. A lot of people said that I just found it so just amazing to watch they were so clever with their movement um, all of them knew exactly where to be they were just creating triangles they were so so calm on the ball it just looked like all of them had so much time mm. I just thought they were bloody brilliant um, yeah I, I don't think I've watched a better team and I think this was going through where I watched just any football that was on so mm. when Sky had uh, La Liga Barca would be on pretty much either the Saturday night or Sunday night game yeah they're on every week so I could watch them pretty much all the time um, I just felt like I, obviously I could learn a bit from them but also they were just a joy to watch to be honest some of my worst footballing memories are tied up with this Barca team in Iniesta I mean they made me a bit sick and then beating this <laughs> in two Champions League finals but but my one of my all time favourite moments of in football came against the Barca team so they are that I think for me I loved watching them but they were almost the perfect enemy which is why I've got such a high respect for them um also quick side note big fan of the kits yes yeah. they were great particularly that first season um they've got the uh obviously you've got the blue and red Oh, um, that classic that, yellow. That yeah. yellow wake it, and then the blue, the light oh, blue the, fur kit. Yes. That's tasty. Yeah, yeah that, that is tasty. If that yellow awake it turned up, you knew you were in trouble, I think. Kits are a huge part in loving a football I team. I agree, They're yeah. Absolutely massive. Um, I think I may have actually been over to Barcelona while Pep was there and got one of these shirts. I think my brother still has it. It's a cheap one, not the real one. <laughs> it, doesn't, it doesn't say cater some team, Mike. What's the point? <sighs> they're a, a truly fantastic team with some truly fantastic to some team. Team. yeah that, that's, that's my story I'm sticking to it um, <laughs> if you'd like to read a bit more I did find it. there's a really good Michael Cox um, article on it on his Zonal Marking website which we'll share on the Twitter when this episode goes out uh, yeah and there's also a UEFA article about the greatest teams of all time one of which is on the Barcelona in this period uh, also worth a read if you're interested mm. yeah um so, it's me or you next. Oh, I'm happy to. Do you want to go? Yeah. Because I, I need to, before I get to He's my part... He's chomping a bit. Before I get to my part about the team I love, I need to get all of my hate and bile out. And I feel like your next team, I'm going to be able to be a bit of a naysayer. Yeah, about. I feel so. <laughs> um, team for me is Arsenal's Invincibles. Just at the age, it was really where I started to actively start to get into football. Just before you fully get into it, and when you say Arsenal's invincibles, do you are we talking about their entire forty nine game and beaten run? Uh, yeah, I'd say the entire forty nine game okay. run. Okay. I mean, obviously, specify and focus on the oh three oh four season, but just that whole era really of, okay. of Arsenal. Um, 
just such great football to watch. Thierry Henry, spearheading it, arguably the best striker, maybe player to have played in the Premier League. Um, this was sort of the pinnacle of the legacy that Wenger had built since he took over in 1996. The peak of what he achieved um, with Arsenal. Interestingly enough, I think the transfers he made in this season show everything he was about, which was players trying to develop, um, usually not at much expense. He bought Lehman in from Dortmund for one and a half million, who went on to keep 21 clean sheets in his debut season. Um, even players that he bought in that weren't really part of this season came on, all of them, to be pretty influential. Um, Cesc Fabregas came in for a free transfer start of the season. He got Gail Clichy for 250000 who actually played quite a few games um, in this season, especially in the Cups. He also brought in players like Sandros Giroud, who still went on to actually play substantial amounts of games in the club. Brought in Reyes in, in the January window and interestingly also agreed Sam Robin Van Persie, uh, who went on to become a bit of a club icon, sort of. Even off the pitch. Really, really impressive that he became a club icon when he only ever had two good seasons for Arsenal. Yeah, but when you play that sequential whistle at bay, you're just always going to learn from that one. Um, <laughs> but anyway, more more on the stats uh, and just what everyone knows them for. You are a bit of a statistician. It was, yeah, we've established this. Um, <laughs> so it's 49, 49 games that they were unbeaten for. Won 36 of them, drew 13. Interesting enough, won 20 games at home and 16 away, um, turned Highbury into a bit of a fortress. In the 0304 season itself, she had 26 wins and 12 draws, scored 73 goals, had conceded 26, but they did keep 21 clean sheets. Um, just the, even the starting 11 that they had, I think when you look at it, you probably think one of the best Prem teams. Lehman in goal, Ashley Cole at left-back, Torre, Sol Campbell, Lauren, Vieira, Lundberg, Perez, Gilberto Silva, Burkamp and Omri. Just all fantastic players. Mm -hmm. um, Omri that season actually scored 30 goals and got the Golden Boot and Player of the Year. It was just, just one of those teams that I think I can speak for most people, just enjoyed watching week in, week out. Again, sort of touching on Guardiola's Barca. Just one of those teams that you knew if you were going to watch them, it would be exciting football. Um, interesting enough, in the 49 games of the whole Invincibles uh, unbeaten run, scored 147 goals, mm -hmm. which is pretty much three goals a game. Just shows you how free-flowing they were. It's actually exactly three goals a game. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point, that, Mike. <laughs> um, yeah, so you've got... Like with Mikey, they've got the stats, they've got the accolades, but why do you love them? Um, I think it was at the age where I'd started really starting to... It was about seven, eight, so I'd started being more active in watching football. Mm -hmm. Sort of had more of an idea of what's going on, aside from just goals on match of the day. I mean, how, you mean you don't know what's going on in football now, so I'm not sure you did back then. <laughs> well, at the time I thought I did. Um, but I think what really sticks out is just remembering Thierry Henry... Doing so well. I actually remember watching the 5 0 win against Leeds, um, where he scored four, and just sort of, for me at that age, being, wow, this is this is good football, and sort of got me involved with it more. Um, also, with the Invincibles, that fast attacking football, 
at the time, sort of, you don't get that down St Andrews ever, so... That's <laughs> <laughs> not unless the opposition are doing it. Um, and yeah, it just made me excited about football. Uh, football became something that I would watch with my dad, but it became something I then wanted to watch and took an active interest in. Um, and it's absolutely down to this Invincibles team. I just used to look forward to to seeing seeing the football. Um, also, Henri and Burkamp, yeah, two unbelievable players. Probably two of the first players that I first ever actively sort of looked up to. I guess. Yeah, I look. Um, I look at that team. Unbelievable. I look at that team right there, and um, I can I see Ashley Cole, who um, obviously I I loved watching Ashley Cole defend. Um, there's a fame. There's a couple of clips I always go back and watch of him defending against Cristiano Ronaldo when Ronaldo's played for Portugal and he just shuts him down absolutely destroys him um, but also there's two players I three players I well two players I love and one player I really think's brilliant um, Vieira and Henri I, I've always had a, a soft spot for them Vieira was just silk and steel he was so good and like you know when you talk so about, good. you know when we talk <laughs> we talked about our 15 greatest players mm-hmm. um, for the Premier League uh, episode we talk we talked about um, Gerard and appreciating his will to win and Lampard and Ronaldo's will to win Vieira's will to win Vieira as a captain just an absolute yeah. monster and I didn't think he I didn't think we mentioned it enough a battering round yeah he was just a monster um, but Henri is one of my favourite ever players I think he's brilliant and Bergkamp we were just we were just watching his goal and it before the Invincibles of his Goal against his Newcastle, goal against Newcastle, where he he does that touch with his weaker foot and still holds off the man's slots at home. That goal just gets better every time you watch it. It's mm. unbelievable. Mm. The, this team, it, it's got everything, hasn't it? Yeah, really everything. Steel, ball players, brilliant technical. They had a cracking um, offside line. Their the back line was perfect. Very layman as well. Really good off his line. Good keeper. Um, Colo Torre was pretty quick at this. Well, in fact, the whole back four were pretty rapid. Hmm. Um, Lundberg and Perez were very fast, which part of the game was just sort of pressing people into mistakes. Yeah. Um, for a team see... that was so dominant, a team that relied quite a lot on fast counter-attacking football rather than slow possession football. Which you see, I'd say more from more of the modern uh, top teams. Mm. This was still very much we're going to get the ball and and try and make a chance. Which, in part, why Henry scored so many goals. He knew if he had a had a bad miss, still going to get a lot more chi- opportunities mm. to score this game just because of the firepower they had in midfield. It's it's super interesting that the three teams we've picked, and we'll come on to them in a minute, all feature a player who's absolutely at the peak of their powers. Messi. And in this one, Henri, um, Mike. We've talked about them brief. You, I mean, you've said that you think they've got a bit of everything. But you, this team, what do they mean to you? What do you like most about them? Uh, partic- well, yeah, obviously, I, I love Burkamp. I think he's brilliant. Henri, obviously, probably the best Premier League player we've seen. Ashley Cole, cracking left back. Sol Campbell was a brilliant centre half. Um, but though. Those two in the centre, Vieira and Gilberto Silva. Oh, Gilberto, mm. what, what a player. That is a serious midfield. It's two units. I mean, they're... Who are both good on the ball as well. Yeah, they're both brilliant on the ball, brilliant at getting the ball back, breaking up play. They're both so clever 
they can read the game. There, there's not many centre mid petterings that would back themselves to come up against those two. No, no. And that, I mean, they, you talk about spines of a team. They had a hell of a spine of a hell team. There's so many characters in there. Even yeah. even Sol Campbell, you'd say, is pretty the strong. Colo Torre, pretty much wherever he played, was pretty influential in any sort of dressing room. And then even players like Henri, Gilberto Silva, and then Villar, who's just an absolute titan of a captain. Even some of the squad players that you've got down yeah. there, Reyes, Wiltor, Parler, um, Carnu, Keown. Edu was monsters. very good. Right, some, yeah. I mean, how do you even get that down to a bench? <laughs> yeah. Here's what I love about this team. Um, and it's also sort of part of the reason why I was, I think, less keen on Pep's teams until Jose got along, was every great team needs a great rival. It's like in every every great story, they need the hero needs to have a great villain. And Keenan Vieira is yeah. the single, I think personally, the single greatest Premier League rival we've ever seen. And I urge you, if you, um, if you haven't seen it, it's all available on YouTube. There's a documentary where they call Keenan Vieira Best of Enemies or something, yeah. where they have to sit down, they, uh, sit down and talk and um, talk about their rivalry and what happened and stuff. And then they have to pick, Keane picks his, his Arsenal 11, um, Vieira picks his uh, Man United 11, and then they put them together. And it's got some absolute all-time sound bites from like Keno going. They were like, he's yeah, I was like, why didn't you put gigs in? And he goes, just because you had a great career doesn't make you a great player. And you're like, <laughs> <laughs> but it's brilliant, it's fantastic. But their rivalry, like you talk about the amount of stories and great games that came out of them. That mental game at Old Trafford yeah. where Seth Fabregas threw pizza, pizza. Like, like that makes you love Will Tord. The Van Nistelrooy missed penalty yeah, mm, with mm. Keown. There's so many moments between those two teams that are like iconic Premier League yeah. stuff. They're just, and that's what that's what I love about football. I love the stories, and it's what I love about all sport. And this team, absolutely, apart from being brilliant defensively, offensively, were um, they just had a brilliant story to them and everything. Oh, I'm so glad that Man U were the team to stop them. Oh god, yeah! Could you imagine? Yeah, Man United in the end, wasn't that? Oh four and five. Yeah. Interestingly enough, with this team, um, we watched a we watched a Tifo tactics video before this, just mm-hmm. so we could see if we remembered everything correctly. Um, yeah. Um, and if you want to see that, just go on Tifo Football on YouTube and search Arsenal's Invincibles tactics. You should be able to find it. However, what's really interesting, because um, obviously this is the peak of Wenger's career, and it was all never the same after this and no, it all went a bit downhill and what we found from these tactics was the really his tactics were brilliant but the really special part of the Invincibles was them as individuals and how brilliant yeah. they were and working as a team every every player could do exactly what he needed them to do um, which I think is pretty clear from after this period due to people moving away and players retiring he never really manages to assemble a team where a lot of important cogs are all working at the yeah. same time uh, whereas this had literally everything you had your two wingers Lundberg Perez Vieira and Gilberto Silva defence was just obscene all of them fast Torre and Campbell were absolute units Burkamp Henri and again the squad players as well could all come in and do a job 
Um, I mean, they are called the Invincibles. Interestingly enough, Preston actually were the first Invinci Invincibles in 1888-1889, which I saw a lot on Twitter when people were saying Liverpool are going to be the only team other than Arsenal. A lot of Preston fans jumped on board. Um, I mean... I'd that was say when you had to get to the game on a horse. Yeah, by by the looks of that <laughs> Preston team, well, it would have been worth it. Um, but yeah, Arsenal are the only team to pull this off in the Premier League era. Um, and interestingly enough, with Liverpool, it looked like they were maybe going to emulate it this year. Mm. Um, and they've not really... Well, we don't know, but at the moment they haven't... Mm. They've lost and they don't look like coming particularly close to... No. To it, it's a tremendous achievement. Um, they're a tremendous team. And it's nice that they made you love football because, dear God, the Blues will make you fall out of love. I think we'll probably move on to my team now. Uh, and mm -hmm. unlike you two, I've picked a slightly longer span for a team. And unlike you two, I've got less I've got less stats and facts for why I love this team. And I'm going off sheer raw emotion. Um, my team is... I want to talk about Carlo Ancelotti's Milan. Now, um, I've sort of bookended it with two Champions League victories. Uh, obviously, in 2003, they beat uh, Juventus in the worst Champions League final of all time at Old Trafford. Um, and then in 2007, they beat Liverpool in a famous rematch with Pippo Inzaghi getting two goals. Um, I want to talk about them in between this time. And this sort of starts with the arrival of um, Kaka, who um, I think we'll probably, before we get into the rest again, we'll just take a second just to talk about Kaka. Because in 07, he was the best player in the world. He won the Ballon d'Or. Um, but before we started here, we watched two of his... I would say two of his greatest moments. One was a pass, one was an assist. Um, we watched his goal against United, where Mike was raging at Gabriel Answer and Patrice Evra, not understanding what they were doing. I have no idea. <laughs> Still to this day, no clue what they were thinking. And then the other one we watched, which in the Champions League final, I think arguably one of the greatest passes ever, where Kaka actually spins Steven Gerrard right back into his box <laughs> and then um, plays the ball past the sliding Jamie Carragher for Crespo to dink over the onrushing keeper. Um... So, I mean, there, was it? Yeah. there is literally that blade of grass is the only place that Carragher can't get there and the mm. keeper can't get there yeah. and uh, Crespo gets there yeah. and he puts it exactly there mm. you yeah, think of the variables going into that moment for that thing and I think when you talk about teams and why you love them um, they it's moments for me as much as it is uh, winning stuff and great tactics or anything like that it's moments like that goal which made me love this Milan team um it doesn't help of course it helps them that they've got King Carlo in charge he's one of my favorite ever managers with his errant eyebrow or um, kind Carlo if you if you want to kind, yeah, I, I, kind Carlo. Carlo. I was like is it King or kind his kind Carlo I spelt him wrong and I spelt it wrong and I adopted it um he sort of played a really quite uh weird formation which has actually gone down as like the Christmas tree because it's 4-3-2-1 and what it basically meant was he had um, Dida in goal this is before Dida embarrassed himself mm. um, I can't remember who they have at left oh, he's got a funny name at left back uh, I can't remember it but they basically played with Nesta and Maldini was the centre backs that I really remember and then at right back they is had Catherine. Yeah, Yanaklovsky. Yeah, that's it. But he was the one I always forget about. Um, and then the, they had three. They had Pirlo in a deep role, and they had Catuso and Ambrosini sort of either side. And then the two, they had Seydorf and they had 
Kaka and Kaka was in a free role and that was what was so special about this team is that Kaka was brilliant and they just let they played to his strengths and they had some great strikers when you think about over the years they had Crespo, Shevchenko and Zaghi and by the end they'd Outrageous. got they'd got Ronaldo <laughs> 9 too yeah. Um, but you you just think about some of these players and you yeah. just look at them you're like you say Pirlo's arguably one of the greatest deep line midfielders ever you've got Cafu in my opinion is the greatest right back like we talk, we look at Trent now like Cafu is Trent who could defend um, you've got Maldini and Nesta who I know Cannavaro gets all the love but for me those two are the two of the the greatest centre back yeah. I've I've ever seen mm-hmm. um, and they had Yap Stam and things like this so you talk about players they had them all they had every single one that was best um, now They've also got the success to go with it. They won the Scudetto with a record 82 points in 03 or 04, which wasn't beaten until I played as a football manager. Um, <laughs> Classic well. They finished runners-up the following up two seasons to Juve. Now there's a bit How of... How did they ever lose a league with these players? Because yeah. it's uh, the scandal. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing. But they also won Super Coppa Italia and they were runners-up in 04, 05, Champions League final, which we'll come on to. And then they won the Champions League in 06, 07. Now, I said to you before, I love stories in football I love people like my favourite thing about the Chelsea win in 2012 is that it wasn't easy and if you asked me if I could change a game would I change the Iniesta one no I wouldn't because it made it all the more special when they finally won it and these guys have the all time I think greatest redemption story in terms of football because on the biggest stage on the biggest stage because you want to talk about the greatest games of football of all time you're talking Istanbul is in there yeah and it's in my, in my no mind doubt. In my mind, it's an all-time great bottle job. They were job. celebrating at half-time. Yeah, it's an all-time great bottle job that they just shouldn't have done because they are, they're so much better than that Liverpool team. Um, and pretty much, you could go man for man and just... Oh, yeah. I wouldn't... Unless you... If you're putting Gerrard up against Kaka, I'm taking Kaka. I mean, if you're putting, that time, you put time. I mean, you'd have, you'd have to game it so you put Gerrard up against, like, Ambrosini or something. Um, also, well, Rui Costa was in there. Rui Costa was in there early, but... Rui Costa for me is not the team I'm thinking of. He's not the one that's excited me. Sergio was uh, always in there as well. He was, yeah. But when I think about that, I, th- I think about that Champions League final because it's such a, it's such an important game in history, and it sort of made me love them because I, and we mentioned it earlier when I talked about um, rare, that pet team that won everything and was super dominant I don't like teams that don't that don't lose I don't like teams that are like machines that are otherworldly I like teams that are human because I feel like that's easier to empathise with them and to understand where they're coming from like I was reading Pirlo's autobiography and he said he was so broken after the Champions League final that he almost retired and to go from almost retiring to come back and winning it all um, with almost entirely the same team against the same against Liverpool a few years later, it just shows incredible mental strength and what a journey. Um, the football they played, yeah, it was great going forward, but they were great defensively. They're like the most... All, all Italian teams, yeah. particularly then, were built on brilliant defence. You want to talk about complete teams, and Milan, just to me, were the most complete team I've ever seen. And the thing is, for me, leagues are really important, but the Champions League, I think, is where the best teams of all time are made. Like, you can be... Yeah, that's the one, you, isn't it, really? That City team, they're like... Not winning, if you can, you be a great all-time team like the Arsenal's Invincibles. Can they be a great all-time team without winning the Champions League? To me, it's like it's all it's the only blot on their copybook, but it is a blot. And these guys were, they like they won two Champions Leagues and went to 
a fi- another final in like well five years span out. They if can you imagine if they'd had three in five years. We're talking about one of the all time great teams. Um, and even better, they were my pro Evo team back in the day. You tell me now when the North London Reds used to get battered by uh, these <laughs> lot. I mean, what team? Um, but I'll open it up to you guys. What do you think about them? Wow, just the squad that they had during this era. It's every position had just a world class player. Even rotation wise, there was still unbelievable players not actually breaking into the eleven. The man, the midfield, in fact, the entire team. Just the defense, midfield especially, was just incredible. Kaka, Seidorf, Pirlo, Catuso, Ambrosini. What one unbelievable midfield! Um, just remember what watching them as well. And oh, I, I again can't believe they ever threw away that Champions League final. To be honest. Um, Wow, Kaka as well at his absolute peak. And this is the thing, peak Kaka. It's really weird when you explain like the idea of thinking about best players in the world to someone who's doesn't understand, doesn't remember this period. Like if you'd like, if I was to say it to like your yeah. younger brother Mike, yeah, for example, yeah. like because they only remember Ronaldo and Messi. They don't understand how special it was when you were like, oh, I think he's well, the best be, player. It could be, but it could be. I think it. I think it's Kaka Ronaldinho. Probably was for a season, and Ronaldinho. I think was it's Kaka. For... I think it's Wesley Schneider of all people. Um, but they're just an absolutely brilliant team for brilliant players and I mean, a brilliant manager. That is a team full of. Legends to, I would imagine, the whole generation of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, it's a beautiful blend of some older players coming towards the end of their career. Well, not even then, were they? No. Not no, even. Not it's quite really. a young team, actually, probably then. Also, it's a great blend of players that Milan produced themselves and yeah. also bought, yeah. built into the mould. I just can't, I'm just looking at that front three of Crespo. Well, they didn't all play together, but Crespo, Shevchenko and Inzaghi. Three literally oh, legendary strikers. And also, you're also forgetting ridiculous. Uh, the ones that Ronaldo 9 played at the end. And Gilardino, do anyone yeah, remember Gilardino? Gilardino a pretty good player. Was uh, yeah. their top scorer in the Champions League winning season yeah. in the league. Yeah. I think he got 15 goals. He, he was a very good player. They were just so... I just can't believe they all... I know they did, obviously, but... To think that that teams had to come up against this team, yeah. I mean, and somehow they where do you find a weak link the in that? Yeah, they would, well, that's the thing. You attack them. You attack them down the left. Say you beat um, oh, whatever. I can't ever pronounce his name. But say you beat him. Who's the left sided centre back? Maldini, right, maybe yeah. the greatest ever. Yeah, and if you get a cross in past him, Nesta's there to clean it up yeah. anyway. And Even with defenders, well. Kaladza, Costa Curta, yeah, yeah. two very good centre backs. Kaladza's the one I always played on. Um, I always played him left back on Pez. Sorry, it's turned into the world Pez <laughs> hour. Um, but we talked earlier about kits as well. Is there a is yeah. there a more iconic? Oh, that is, that is, is there iconic. a more iconic kit than, than the Opal, red and black Milan one? That Opal like, sponsor. Oh, yeah, that's the if I I mean I've, uh, if I could have a kit from history, I think it would be that red and black Milan one. Oh my god! <laughs> you know, Bella, Bella. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's tasty. What team? I I I put I put this Milan team up against any team in history, and I'm confident that they give either they beat them or give them a game. Wouldn't you just love if we could go back and do that? 
Well, that's the that's the crime is that you watch all these teams and they never come al- they never come along at the same time. Like I would love to see uh, these lot play Pep's Barca. That'd be a hell of a because, game because you know Pep, yeah. the Barca would have all the ball, but yeah. these would be probably well, the, yeah. there's a chance they'd outsmart. Oh, and out th- this, just out clever and everything. And I must admit, if you haven't read Pirlo's autobiography, it's a must read because it it doesn't go into this team as much as you would think it would do. But the the little snippets it gives you of how they used to deal with Gattuso and things like that, and there's just characters oh. in this team like. Gattuso's a madman. He's running around the pitch like spitting and snarling. He's just it, they weren't perfect, and that's what I'm getting at. They weren't perfect, but they were really lovable, and that's why I love them so much. Um, just quickly, if you round robin, they all played each other. These three teams, oh, who God. wins? <sighs> well, God, yeah. Uh... I don't know. I really don't know. Because <laughs> all three of them were so brilliant. Yeah. They all were brilliant in different ways as well. In terms of just pure attacking, you'd probably back Pep's Barca team. Um, I reckon Mil- Milan, only because whenever I've played football, Milan. the defenders Defend- def- always in training always beat the attackers. Attack- and they, they would just not concede... Attack Gold. wins games, defense wins titles. I would put I'd put Milan up, not by a lot, but I would put Milan up. However, but it could go if you're only playing two games. It could go anywhere. Could go anywhere. Yeah. What we will do is we'll we'll ask you on Twitter um, mm. if you've got a particular opinion on which one of these teams will win. Please let us know by emailing us at in around pod or voting in the Twitter poll that will go up on the same day as this episode. We'd also um, like to know what your favorite teams are. Yeah, please actually share with us because we'd love to remember some. Uh, some of the old classic teams. Yeah, because it's been a lot of fun to put together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the the three of us have thoroughly enjoyed doing this, haven't we? Because we've got yeah, a chance to nice go back stuff. and think about those old classic teams. Reminisce a bit. Yeah, from our childhood and when things weren't... When football was ongoing, not stopped by a deadly virus. <laughs> um, I think, lads, that will do it. Um, however, I think... What we'll say is again, if you've got a topic or question that we can we can talk about or debate during this period of downtime, please let us know by again emailing us at in and around pod at gmail.com or by sending us a message on Twitter at in and around pod. Um you can follow me at World Seventeen. Dave, where can the people follow you? Uh, at Dave Harris underscore forty four on Twitter. And Mike, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Uh, at Mikey Breslin on Twitter. Um I don't really tweet on there, so you may as well just follow me uh, at the end of the round. <laughs> <laughs> For the third plug of the end of the yeah. round. Um, we'll be back next week with a new episode, probably based around. I think we're probably going to do what match in Premier. What match would you change in history? Yeah. What one man? One. Uh, what <laughs> one match in history would you change if you could? Um, might have got a preview to one of my answers in this episode. However, please. Let us know yours yeah. on Twitter again. Get your shouts in. At Idaho Pod. Anyway, thanks for joining us. Thanks so much.